0: Excited to be in the house of the Lord tomorrow. You gotta make a little bit of noise. Good to see you guys, man. It's so good to see you guys. Also welcome our Grayson campus as well. Love you all, man. I know Aaron, Pastor Aaron's doing an amazing job there. Loved when you guys are reaching Carter County and the region there. And so we're so thankful for you guys. As well, we've been praying for both campuses to continue to impact this region in a great way. Whether you're in person with us or you're meeting us online as well, whichever way we can serve you, we are here to serve you in any possible way that we can. If there's a way that we're we we're not serving you, or there's a way that you think we could do a little bit better, whether you're at home or or, or you're shut in or even in person, man, we love to know that because our sole mission is to help you follow Jesus so that you can experience an abundant life and a better life than you ever dreamed. Of. Man, this has been a great series so far. Uh, we kicked it off last week. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Jonah chapter two. We're going to peek right up in this. We're going through uh, the book of Jonah together. This is Jonah chapter two. We're going to talk about today. And uh, before I jump into that, you heard that we had a bunch of first-time guests and people you know who've been following us online during this. Quarantine or or not been meeting in person and uh, all through the COVID stuff, and so they've been watching online, and they finally came out, and and we was in person, and it's so good just to see new people showing up, and that just really blesses my heart, but one of the greatest things that really blesses my heart, I love seeing new people show up, I love seeing people take next steps, but nothing really to me is more important than seeing somebody cross from death to life that that gives their life to Jesus, that experience the true freedom that it comes in Christ, and one of our elders here at Better Life Church, they've been going to uh, Belgrove, and and uh, they showed the message uh, uh, to this treatment center where God's come in and take a step uh, to, you know, get healed and get better and, and, and working on, on being a, a, a man that really God wants them to be. And one of our elders, you know, takes the message to them. And for the last three weeks, they've been showing the sermons there at Belgrove. And I just want you to know that we've seen 10 people give their life to Jesus in the last three weeks. I man. That is awesome. <laughs> Which means that the guys at Bell Grove are gonna be watching this. I just wanna let you know uh, here from Better Life Church, we are so proud of you. We believe in you. Uh, we're praying for you. And I just wanna you know the ministry that God's allowed us to do at Bell Grove, God has used it in a great way. And thank you so much for responding to the gospel. And every one of you giving your life to Jesus. I'm just so proud of you. I've taken that next step. And we believe that the best is yet to come in your life. And we believe that even today through Jonah chapter two, that God's gonna to speak to even more people uh, when it comes to, what is it like to run to Now, there's a little bit of Jonah in all of us, right? But there's a little bit of Jonah in all of us that we've all ran from God. When God has asked us to do something, we've all said no at some point in our life. Every one of us have. God may have asked us to share our faith, and we've said no. God may say, get up and go to church. We've said no. God said, I want you to start serving. You've said no. God says, hey, I want you to bless someone and be generous to them, and you've said no. God said, I want you to share your testimony. You're like, no, God, not me. Like, he's, This is the runaway prophet. This is the, this is the prophet who says, God, here I am. Send somebody else because I am not going to do what you want me to do. So here's the man of God saying no to God. We've all been there. Every one of us have said no to God. And last week, in case you missed it, if just to do a quick recap, last week I made some points about running from God, and we saw this prodigal prophet who runs away from God. And we, I, I said these statements last week. I said, God may ask you to do something that you don't want to do. That's happened to every one of us before. God's asked us to do something, but we don't want to do it. And when God asks you to do something and you don't want to do it, I promise you, Satan will always have a boat ready to take you in the opposite direction than where God wants you to be. Hands down, every time, Satan will be there to try to move you away from where God wants you to be. And when you do that, when you get on that boat, God just may allow a storm, we may want to call it a trial, a storm, or some people call it the valley, I'm in the valley right now, to come into your life to get your attention. God will allow a storm to come into your life to get your attention and then you may find yourself in your worst case scenario. But it's in that worst case scenario is exactly where you may need to be. It's in that worst case scenario that's exactly where you want, that God wants you to be. Now I want you, let's recap real quick. Jonah runs from God, gets on a boat, the guys, the boat is shaken. The storm comes. Jonah says, Throw me overboard. If you throw me overboard, you'll live. They throw Jonah overboard. And a great big fish. We don't know what it kind of fish. We say Jonah in the well. Could be in a well. Most likely it sounds like a well. It's so funny this week on the news. I saw a kayaker. He was, he was going through and, and a well came and hit him and his mouth was open. And the guy said he's almost got swallowed by the well. I'm like, this is Jonah, man, live right here. Like, if he could just live three days, you know, maybe we could prove that because some of people was like, this is just a fable. There's no way someone can live in a well for three days. And I'm like, did you walk out at night and see the stars? Do you know that God spoke those into existence? Do you go out and you, you see planet Earth is just tilted on its axis just enough that it can sustain life, and we're like, well, that's just by coincidence over billions of years. Has just happened to evolve that way? Like, if there's a creation, there is a creator. And everything on the planet, listen, obeys God. All his creation obeys God, except for us. Have you ever noticed that? The birds obey God. We're about to find out that a fish Obey God, God appointed a fish to go and swallow Jonah. Like, that's one of the least of the miracles. Like, a God dying, put in a tomb, and then gets up out of the grave. Like, I believe in that, right? Well, I believe that miracle. But then you can't believe this. And Jesus even talked about Jonah. Jesus calls him by name. Jesus loved the story of Jonah. He says, just like Jonah spent three nights and three days in the belly of a fish, the Son of Man will spend three nights and three days in the belly of the earth, but he's gonna get up. Out of the grave. So I know it sounds like a far-fetched you know, miracle, and you've heard in Sunday school, it's just a real good little Sunday school story, but I'm telling you, this story is so impactful today. Why? Because a little bit of Joan in all of us. We've all have ran from God at some time in our life. And a lot of times, really, we will obey God until it hits a nerve. Have you ever noticed that? We will obey God until it kind of goes, it hits a nerve in us. Like, God's asked you to forgive someone who's hurt you or wronged you. like, I'm not gonna do that. They deserve, no, I ain't gonna forgive them. She walked out of me and left me with the three kids. He, he went that way and went sideways. I'm not gonna forgive that person. That business deal went under. You heard what they said about me? They, they made that stuff up. Like, I'm, I'm gonna forgive that person. They talk bad about me on Facebook. Oh my gosh, you know what I'm saying? Like, I am not gonna forgive that person. But God's asked you, see, most of us will obey God until it hits a nerve. And when it hits that nerve, we're like, oh, I ain't gonna do that. I'm not, I'm not gonna take that step and, and go that way. Maybe God's asked you to share your faith at school. Maybe share your faith with your roommate. Maybe share your faith with your coworker or just invite them, share your testimony with them. How God radically changed your life. And you're like, oh gosh, I can't do that. I'm, I'm so scared. I don't know if, I, if I'll say the right things and, and I'm just embarrassed and, and I just don't know if I should say that. You see, we will obey God until it hits a nerve. When God starts talking about, I don't think that's the right person for you to date because they really don't follow Jesus they don't come after me You're like, well, God, you can tell me anything you want to do, but don't talk about my relationships. I will handle my relationships. Or God may ask you to bless somebody. It's like, I'm not giving my money to bless somebody. I'm not gonna pay for their lunch. I'm not gonna buy them some groceries. I'm not gonna help them with their bills. See, we're, we, we will obey until it hits a nerve, and when it hits a nerve, then we want to run. See, it hit a nerve when God said, I want you to go to this wicked city, which is modern-day Iraq today, which is Nineveh, and I want you to preach, and I want you to share the mercy and my love. And he's like, I'm not going, because I know if I go, you will forgive them, and I don't want you to forgive the Ninevites, so he runs to the ends of the earth. Literally, he's heading to Tarshish, which is the furthest known at this time on a map. Like, and when everybody went and explored the earth, Tarsus is the furthest way at the end of the earth away from Nineveh, 2,500 miles, and God says, go. But the man of God ran. So let's see what Jonah does next. So if you're ready to get started, say, let's go. All right, here we go. Verse one, then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. Now, let's stop right there. So he's, he's thrown overboard, he's swallowed by the fish, and what does he do? He prays. Wouldn't you? Like, wouldn't you be praying right now? Like, wouldn't you be crying out to God right now if this literally happened to you? Like, wouldn't you be praying and talking to him? Why did it take Jonah so long to pray? If you remember in chapter one, they went and woke him up. He was asleep It says, get up and pray to your God. Get up and call to him. And he wouldn't even pray on the boat, but he would pray in the belly of the fish. See, isn't it so much like us? Like we don't pray, we don't pray. We, we wait till it gets to like the worst case scenario and then we pray. Like it gets super, super bad and then we pray. Did you hear people say all the time? Well, all we can do now, Brother Daniel. I always know when people, their background and their denomination, when they call me brother. Brother Daniel. I know when they say Brother Daniel. And I'm not making fun of that. That's fine. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't, but they'll go, Brother Daniel, all we can do right now is pray. And you know what Brother Daniel says? That's all we can do in the first place, right? People say, all we can do now is just trust and pray. That's all we could done in the first place is trust and pray. Like we have this illusion that we're in control. You know, like, like people say, well, the person I voted for didn't win. All we can do, Brother Daniel, is this? Just pray, that's all we can do. <laughs> anyway, we are, there, there's this control, Is this illusion, like we have all this control. And yes, we have free will, and yes, we can exercise, but at the end of the day, everything will play out exactly how God wanted it to play out. See, that's the problem. We just don't believe in God's sovereignty. We don't believe that God is the author and perfecter of all faith, that he's the creator of all things. If he can speak to a fish to do things, all creation obeys him except for the one that's created his image and we wanna rebel against him. And he prays and he cries out to the Lord. Where are at inside the fish. Now, come on, I, I like to think a little bit about this. So sometimes when you read this, you might go through it quick. I'm sitting there and I, I like to put myself in the story. I'm, I'm pretty empathetic. So when I start reading something, I wanna get in the story and go, what if I was Jonah right now? And I'm sitting here, it's like, one. if we're inside the belly of a great fish, and if you want to call it a whale, that's cool. If you're inside the belly of this great fish, it's probably somewhere between 108 and 115 degrees. So one, it's hot. I like it because I like my office being hot. Don't know, Brandon, you know that, right? Angie, you're shaking your head. Like, they messed up in my office. They put, like, the thermostat in my office, and I crank it up, and everybody freezes down. Because I'm like, man, it feels great in here. They finally moved it out of my office. Okay, anyway, it's like, I love it hot. So it's 108 to 115 degrees. You're inside this crazy fish's belly. It's dark. It smells like a porta-potty at the state fair. Can I get a witness? You know what I'm talking about. Like the stomach juice and acid has probably now bleached his skin white and his hair white. I mean, come on, you gotta think about it. There's acid in this. And so somehow he survives all this. And he's sitting inside this fish's belly and he's crying out to the Lord and he's praying for God to save him. What does he pray? Verse two, he cried out to the Lord in his great trouble. He answered me and I called to you from the land of the dead and the Lord, you heard me. See, why do we have to wait to talk to God when we're in great trouble? See, most of us treat prayer like a spare tire. You only get it out when you have a blowout. Your marriage blew out, you start praying. Your health blew out, you start praying. Your job you lost, you start praying. Your kid now rebels and goes sideways, now you start praying. Your finances took a hit, now you start praying. Why do we, wait till we're in great trouble before we ever cry out to God. We could begin to cry out to him right now. See, it's one thing to talk to God in the bad times, but what about the good times? You're like, life right now, things are pretty good. Life is pretty good. My family's healthy. My marriage is healthy. I mean, we're making it. I mean, things are doing pretty good. You see, what happens is in the good times, we're on top of the mountain. We think we're a little bit invincible, and we think, well, we don't need God right now because, hey, everything's going good. I don't need God right now. But it's when we go through the valley, and listen to me, that is life storms and no storms and highs and lows, that is life. You said, Listen, you're either getting ready to go into a valley or you're in the valley or you're coming out of the valley and that is life cycle. In fact, God will allow many storms to come into our lives to get our attention because he wants our eyes on him. But this is so what's fascinating. He cried out inside when he was inside the belly in his trouble and watch this, don't miss this. God answered him. See, I love this, I'm so thankful this is in the Bible. See, some of us right now, we rebel against God, we run against God, we know we do things that we shouldn't be doing, and you know this, and you're trying your best to fix it, but you can't stop looking at it. You can't stop drinking it. You can't stop doing it, whatever it may be. You can't stop saying it. You're like, gosh, I'm just tired of this, Is doing it over and over and over, and, and forgive me, God, it's me again. I did it again, I said it again, I looked at it again, and, oh, and you hang your head down in shame, and you're like, God, are you ever gonna be there for me? Can I feel your presence, will you answer me? And what I love about this, is even when the man of God rebels against God, God still answered him. That should bring all of us hope, that God is listening to him, and watch this, and he heard him. See, sometimes, and I've been there in my own life, that you praise that God, you even hear what I'm even saying. God, are you even there? You're out late at night. The bills keep flooding in. God, are you even there? You roll over and the person that you're you're married to, you're having this division or you're arguing, you're like, God, can you even fix this? You lay there at night and you think about your kid that's rebelled or God to protect them and like, God, are you ever gonna help? You're sitting there and you're furloughed or you lost your job and you know you're about two months out and all the savings are gone. Because the last statistic that I just read that the average American lives paycheck to paycheck to paycheck, if not behind a paycheck, and one month with no income would lose everything. And that causes enough problems of its own. You're going, God, am I ever gonna get rid of these $70,000 of student loan debt? Am I ever gonna find a job? Do you even hear me, God? Come on, did, are you punishing me? Did I do something wrong? And you, and you cry out to him. And I'm here to tell you, he hears you. Well, how do I get him to answer me? How do I, what do I need to do to say, God, will you come through? God, are you going to provide? Or God, will you step up? And I wanna encourage you that there is hope. We're gonna walk through that just in a moment. Verse three, this is very important. Listen to what he says. You, this is so big. You wanna grow in your faith? You wanna grow spiritually? You wanna mature in your faith? This verse is for you. You threw me into the ocean depths and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me and I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. When I read this text, you know what's so fascinating about this? Jonah didn't blame the sailors. It's their fault. If they would just have kept me in the boat, I wouldn't be experiencing hell in 108, 115 degrees, fish's belly. God, it's your fault if you would just not have told me to go there. See, listen, he's not blaming. He didn't blame the storm. God, if you didn't send the storm. It's the storm. If the storm didn't come up on the sea, then I would. He didn't blame the fish. Well, the fish just swallowed me. I want you to see this. He recognized that God was so sovereign. Look what he says. You allowed this. You threw me into the sea. If you want to grow spiritually in your life, one of the first steps—and this is this is not spirit. This is not even growing. This is this maturing basic one oh one. Listen to me. Stop blaming other people for your problems. You want to grow and mature. You've got to stop blaming people for the problems. Listen, as parents, we love our kids, right? I hope you do. We love our kids, right? Right, They're gifts from the Lord, and, and, and they gave it to us. But one of the things that you as a parent try to do is to help your children stop blaming others for their actions. Don't we do this all the time? Well, he hit me first. Well, she said this. Well, they unplugged the Wi-Fi, and I got kicked off a of fortnight. I'm mad now. You know what I'm saying? Like, their fault. They're the ones that did it, right? We've been blaming people from day one. Even Adam, God, this chick you gave me, she the one did it first. We have been blaming people for our problems since day one. And one part of maturing in life is taking responsibility. One part of maturing in your faith is taking responsibility and quit blaming other people. I know he walked out on you. I know that you, that you lost your job. And I know that they shouldn't, they shouldn't have said that about you. And we could sit here and point the fingers all the time. But if you wanna grow in your faith, listen to me, take responsibility, stop blaming people for your problems. Some of you, you were blindsided by it, you had no idea, and it hit you right out out, out from the side. But one part of growing up is accepting responsibility and then doing something about it and stop blaming. He recognized that this was God's handy work. And then verse 4, he says, Then I said, Oh Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look Once more towards your holy temple. Listen, some of you today, you're about to give up on God. You're watching online. You're sitting at home. You may have just showed up. And this is, listen, there's been people who've come and said, I've just showed up. This is my last time just to see maybe if if God was here and maybe if God would change my life and God radically changed my life. Listen to me. You know what I want you to do today? Look one more time. Just look one more. Don't you, don't you give up on God. You think God has given up on you? He has not given up on you. As I said it last week, if his eye is on the sparrow, his eye is on you. If he can talk to a fish, he can speak to you. Look one more time to him. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on him. He says, I will look one more time towards your holy temple. You see, and here's the big, don't miss that word, look too. God wants your attention. And let's just think about it. We live in a world where our attention is so divided. Oh my goodness, your attention, it go everywhere. I mean, just all the things and, and the stimulus and the ads and the marketing, everything that hits you every single day in your life gets your attention. Just the phone vibrating for a second. Zzz, oh, got my attention. Somebody could have liked my Insta. I mean, really, like, I mean, what is it? Everything gets your, oh, it could be the new Black Friday sale. That's happening now through all the way through Christmas. Yes, can I get a witness, right? Right? You see how everything gets your attention? And your attention so quickly is so divided. And God said, I just want you to look at me. Just look at me. For Just take a moment and look at me. Verse five, so I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed around me. Some of you feel like that right now. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I think that's pretty fascinating. I'm so glad that we have those kind of details, right? Seaweed, like really, you ever been to the ocean before and you get seaweed on it, it's nasty and it stinks and it's got little, little crab things crawling on it, it's disgusting, right? It's around my head. See, sometimes, sometimes, well, I won't say sometimes, all the time, some of it's more visible than others, there's always consequences to our disobedience. There's always consequences to our sin. Yes, I'm forgiven, and yes, I'm heading to heaven, but I have consequences that I must live out here on earth. And sometimes because of our disobedience or because of our sin, we're gonna have seaweed. It's gonna be wrapped around us for a while, and it's gonna be a little messy. It all just don't drop just like that. We gotta walk out the consequences of our decisions and of our sin. But eventually, that seaweed would get unwrapped around us and snared, it's entrapped us, and, us, and it eventually it will begin to fall off. I sank down, verse six, to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in earth whose gates locked shut forever. This guy was like, I feel trapped, I'm sinking, and he cries out to the Lord. See, some of you feel like you're sinking this morning. And the Lord says, Look at me one more time. And then I love verse six, but you, O oh Lord, my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. I here to declare that this is where we got Shark Week from, right here, this verse, from the jaws of death. Like, this is where Shark Week comes from, right here. And from the jaws of death, as my life was slipping away, and this is it, this is it, I remembered the Lord. And the Lord, watch this, and my earnest prayers, went out to you in your holy temple and those who worship false gods turn their backs on all of God's mercy. Don't miss this, he said, I remember the Lord. God will do whatever it takes to get your attention to remember him. If you know that, then why would we purposely choose to rebel? Sometimes we blow it. Yes, we fly off the hand. But I'm talking about willfully knowing this is wrong, but I'm gonna do it anyway. That's a very dangerous place to be for those who follow Jesus. This is wrong, but I'm gonna do it anyway. I know what the Bible says, but, listen to me. The moment you say, I know what the Bible says, but, listen to me, you are, are believing a lie. The enemy wants to lie to you. And the moment you say, I know what the Bible says, but, and then you fill in the blank, it's a dangerous place to be as a follower of Jesus. That word right there that comes out of your mouth should stop you in your tracks and say, God, what lie am I believing for me to say, but? because there is a law there. And that's how the enemy wants to defeat you. This is the battleground. I know what the Bible says, but I'm gonna do it anyway. That is a very grave indication that you are believing a lie. And then he says in verse nine, but I will offer sacrifices with the song of praise. He's talking about turning here and I will fulfill all my vows for my salvation comes from the Lord. Had you noticed his spiritual journey here? Watch how he, he tracks here. God put me here, I will accept his disciplines, I'm going to die, but then he remembered me. And once he remembered me, now I will go serve him. Like, if you did what he asked you to do in the first place, you wouldn't be in the fish's belly. Isn't it amazing how we get there sometimes in our own life? If we just do what God asked us to do in the first place? If we just live how God wants us to live in the first place, like all the consequences to our disobedience would have followed the way that they have followed. And then he says in verse nine, I will fulfill my vows. What's his vows? To do whatever you want me to do, and I will go to Nineveh, and I will preach the message there. I'll do what you want me to do. For he says in verse nine, for salvation comes from the Lord alone. Listen to me, salvation begins with God, salvation ends with God. Salvation's all about God. The, salvation means deliverance. Deliverance starts with God, deliverance ends with God. So Jonah says, my deliverer, my deliverance comes from the Lord. And then in verse 10, I wish I was there to see this one. If we could have had this on video, this would have been amazing. Verse 10, then the Lord ordered the fish. How did he do that? I didn't know he could speak. He must, well, he must watch Finding Nemo. It's pretty funny how they do it. Verse 10, then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Now, could you imagine that? you're sunbathing, you're boogie boarding, you're building a sandcastle with your family, and all of a sudden, this great big fish comes up on shore and vomits out a dude. Like, come on now, come on, put you. now, wouldn't that be hilarious? Like, you're like, the kids would be freaked out, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like, this is crazy, right? And then, chapter three, we'll talk about that next week, verse one, but I gotta share this right here. Look what happened. This is what should bring all of us hope. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. How many of you thankful for second chances in here? Come on, you're thankful that God gives us second chances. Even when we rebel, even when we're disobedient, even when we're walking in our consequences of our sin, with seaweed wrapped around our head, God still gives us second chances. And the word came to Jonah a second time. See, second chances don't just happen because people need a second chance. It's because God allowed it, and God, what God did for Jonah, and what God, and what Jonah did is what God wants all of us to do, especially if you're running from God or you're disobeying God. And you know what that word is? Repent. Repent is not something that you just do one time. It's something that we do constantly over and over and over. And I think that word repentance has, has somehow taken its own different meaning and people kind of talk about it in a different way. And when I said repent, you would say, probably ask God to forgive me, as if you're sorry that you got caught. Like I, there's a difference of repentance and being sorrowful. I'm sorry that I got busted here, I'm sorry. I, you're right, I'm sorry, that's wrong. And you got caught, so you're sorry. Or you did it, and you go, okay, God, I'm sorry. I know I shouldn't have done that. Like, okay, now I understand it. But what's the difference of being sorrowful and repentance? And we can see in this story that Jonah was not saying, okay, God, I'm sorry, I should've went to Nineveh, I didn't go to Nineveh, get me out of this fish's belly, and then I'll go and fulfill my vows. What we see in this story is that Jonah repents and this is something that we must do, not just one time when we give our life to Jesus. Yes, that saves us. But as we walk out our faith, we need to be people of repentance. It's not just happened one time. So what does repentance mean? And so that's why I'm just for the next few minutes, I'm just gonna walk you through, when I say repentance, what do you mean when I say repentance? Because it's something that you just don't do one time in Sunday school, at a church camp, when you walked an aisle. When you said a prayer, it's something that we will constantly begin and will do until God continues to shapes us and form us into the image of Christ, which means this. We will be in a continual state of repentance until Jesus comes and takes us home. So what does it mean to repent? The first thing, very simple, if you're taking notes, this is what I want you to write down because this is what you need to go back to in your life. When you make a mistake or when the Holy Spirit convicts you and you realize, hey, that this is conviction from God, that I need to repent of this, not just say I'm sorry, what does it mean to repent? We can all say we're sorry. Okay, God, I'm convicted, you caught me, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have looked at it again. Okay, God, I shouldn't have slept with her again. Okay, God, I shouldn't talk bad about her again. God, you know what, I shouldn't have lied about that. God, you know, I shouldn't like cheat on that, and people kinda know I'm cheating, just so I put a little bit of extra, okay, God, I know I shouldn't have said that to them again. So it's like God, it's me again. God, it's me again. I shouldn't have tried again. Shouldn't have smoked again. Shouldn't have drunk it. God, it's me again. I'm sorry. What's the difference? And that's what I want to share with you right now—the difference. Because this is when the word of the, this is when the word of the Lord comes back to you. How do you respond? You respond with repentance. And watch this. Don't miss this, please. Don't miss this. The Bible says it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It's not God's condemnation that leads you to repentance. It's God's Holy Spirit convicting you of that and breaking your heart, realize this is wrong. I shouldn't do this, say this, try this, whatever it may be for you. And now I need to repent of that. What does it look like? Here's where repentance begins and here's how it starts. Repentance first starts right here. True repentance means this, I change my mind. That's what repentance means, I turn my mind. I change the way I think. I change my mind and if my mind doesn't change, watch this, then I don't think I need him. In verse seven it says, Jonah remembered the Lord. That means Jonah thought differently. Jonah now begins to think about God and his goodness and his mercy and how God wants to save people. Jonah changed his mind. What God has for me is better than what I'm doing right now. True repentance first starts with a change of mind. Now, I didn't understand that when I gave my life to Jesus as a junior in college in September 2nd, 1997. Yes, I repented of my sin and said, God, I changed my mind how I think about sin. And God radically saved my life. But there's still a shaping of my mind because this is the battleground. This is what the enemy's after because he knows if he can get into your mind and you say things like, I know what the Bible says, but then he will render you ineffective for the kingdom of God. He knows he can't take my salvation away from me, so he tries to make me live hell on earth. And that all happens by how I think and what I think about so, this is the battlefield. So if I'm truly going to repent, I've got to change the way I think about, and you fill in the blank. I gotta change my perspective what I think about if I'm sleeping with my boyfriend or girlfriend from what God's word says. I gotta change the way I think about when I have a substance that I'm trying to put in my body or change my body. I gotta change how I think about what is it doing that really only God can fulfill? I've got to change how I see that person in the cubicle at work because every time I see them, I'm, I'm furious or mad or angry or something. I've got to change this. What's my, what do I got to change? See, we live in a society where there's no such thing as absolute truth, and truth is what's true to you. Let me tell you what absolute truth is. It was right here in our hands. And any time that this contradicts how you feel or how you think, you were always wrong and this is right. But we live in a society that says, no, you're Right? Truth to you is whatever you want to be truth. That is not true. But that's what the world wants to say and that's what the devil wants to say. You get to believe what you want to believe. You're independent. Believe and choose what you choose to believe. And if it contradicts what God's word says, you will say things like this. I know what the Bible says, but. And folks, that's where we live now. The Bible is irrelevant. The Bible doesn't connect. The Bible is, is back on, doesn't understand moral issues. The Bible doesn't understand economical issues. The Bible doesn't understand how we live today. It's written by a bunch of guys of like, what, 2,000 years ago, and, and they changed it. So we've done everything we can to get away from anything that could be truth that convicts us. And true repentance starts with lining yourself up in your mind with God, not what I think, but what you say. Remember the Lord. It starts with a change of mind. Why is this so important? Why does the enemy want this? Because it leads me to my second point. Because what you think determines what you feel. The reason I change my mind is because it will lead to a change of heart. Don't miss this. You don't feel and then you think. The reason why you feel is because you think. Feelings follow Thoughts. If you don't like how you feel, change your thoughts. Do you see this? This is basic psychology. This is just basic human how we're wired. So I just don't feel this. I don't, like how, I don't like feeling like this. Then change what you think. I don't like feeling depressed. You know what depression is? Hopelessness. You're believing in hopelessness. You believe your marriage will never get better. You believe that your health will never get better. You believe your finance will never get better. You believe your kid will never come home. So you get into a hopeless state and you go, I just feel hopeless. I'm never gonna get married. I'm never gonna graduate. I just feel, 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 feel. That's the problem. You gotta change what you believe. You gotta change your thoughts because feelings follow thoughts. And so if you don't like how you feel about yourself, change what you believe about yourself. If you don't like how you feel about someone you work with or someone you go to school with, you got to change what you think about them. People say this all the time. Well, you just make me feel. No one can make you feel anything. I see this all the time in marriage counseling. Well, you, I, you just make me so angry. You make me this way. I wouldn't say that if you wouldn't fill in the blank. Listen to me, sir. She can't make you do anything. It's what you believe about your wife that makes you feel that way. Change how you think. That's what repentance is. It changes your mind that leads to a change of heart. And when your heart changes, guess what happens when your feelings begin to change? He says this right here in verse 8. He says, those who worship false gods gods, turn their backs on God's mercy. He goes, I no longer feel like I need to turn my back on you anymore, God. I'm going to change how I feel. I'm going to change my affection. I'm going to change my attitude. Why is that so important? Because watch this. When I change my mind, that leads to a change of heart. Guess what follows feelings? Actions. You know why you act the way you act? Because you feel. You know why you feel the way you feel? Because you believe. And most people want to tell you to fix your actions. Quit sleeping with them, quit looking at that, quit drinking that, quit trying that, quit saying that, quit being sarcastic about that, quit gossiping about that. See, everyone wants to talk about behavior modification and you try to fix the behavior. You can't fix the behavior until you fix the heart, the feelings. Listen to me, that's why you can have all the greatest politicians in the world, they can write all the laws they want to write, but laws don't change hearts. The law says this is the lowest you can go before we'll do something about it. It doesn't change hearts. If laws would change heart, I'd become a politician. As if we could fix that, that's a, a something written there is gonna change how you act. Laws don't change racism. That's a heart issue. You can write all you want to about that. It's a heart issue. And we could go on and on and on and on and on. The reason you act the way you act is because you feel if you don't like your behavior, I'm tired of looking at this, I don't wanna look at this no more on the internet. You don't like doing that? You gotta change how you feel. How do I do that? You gotta change how you think. What's that called? Repentance. How do you know you truly repent of a sin? You stop doing it. See, when I gave my life to Jesus, this is how that repentance played out in my life. I changed my mind when I thought about God. And guess what, my heart, my affections no longer love the club anymore. No longer love the sin sick environments that I was in all the time. Something changed. My affection changed. I don't like that music anymore. I don't listen to that junk anymore. I don't watch that stuff anymore. I don't put that in my body anymore. Why did that change? Because my mind changed. That changed my affections towards whatever And guess what happened? My behavior began to change. 98% of my vocabulary had to change because of the words that came out of my mouth. What fixed the behavior of the words that came out of my mouth? My heart changed. Why did my heart change? Because my mind changed. Do you see? That's repentance. And you don't just do that one time. You will probably do that daily. I'm gonna turn my mind from that. That turns my heart that changes my actions. And that's what repentance means. It means I turn around. I'm heading this way, but now I'm going to repent and I'm going to turn my mind towards God. I'm remember the Lord. It turns my heart and shifts my affection and now it turns and changes my actions. And now I live differently. Why? Because I think differently. It's not just I'm sorry, it's repentance. And Jonah repented, he turned his Mine that turned to defection, and it turned his feet, because he says, "I will fulfill my vows and go where you told me to go." How do you know you truly repent of your sin? You stop doing it. That's repentance. And if you want a modern day, let's just say modern, a New Testament example, that's what the prodigal son did. The Bible says he was sitting there and he came to his senses. What in the world am I doing living like this? In my father's hired men, does it live like this? So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna go to my father and I'm gonna tell him that I'm sorry and I don't deserve to be his son. Changed his mind, changed his heart, and he got up and he went back and it changed his actions. That's repentance. And that is something that we will continue to do. You see, in Jonah chapter one, Jonah runs from God, and we all have. Jonah chapter two, Jonah runs to God, which is what I'm asking you to do today. Run to him. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads. First John 1-9, please hear this. If we will confess our sin, he is faithful, he is righteous, He is just to forgive us of all of our sins. We just must confess them with repentance. And if that's you watching online, if that's you at one of our campuses, I'm gonna ask you if the Lord has been tugging at your heart because salvation begins with Him. If there's conviction in your life right now that, hey, you know what, I need to change that. Listen to me, repent. Change your mind how you think about those things. And when you change your thoughts, your affection will follow and your actions will follow. Recognize that God's hand is working in your life. Turn your eyes to Jesus. Thank Him for His compassion that He gives you a second chance. Today you get to start over, you get to do over. Are you kidding me? Today. Are there consequences to your sin? Absolutely, there's consequences to all of our sin. But today you get to start over, fresh and anew. How do I do that? Just cry out to the Lord. That's what Jonah did. Remember the Lord. Right where you sit, you can cry out to him right now. And you can say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me and I believe you got up out of the grave for me. I'm gonna change my mind. And now I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Now change my actions, Lord. Help me follow you all the days of my life. If that's you and you prayed that with me, the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord as we see him in Jonah, he will remember you and he will save you. And just in a moment, is gonna come out and do will give you a phone number, you can text to. If you don't have that number, you need to store that number in your phone. It's the BLC text line. I don't care if you're here in Kentucky. Doesn't matter what state you're watching this from or across the world, text us. We wanna help you take next steps. We wanna send you some resources as you begin your journey with Jesus. Father, we want to thank you so much that you're a God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances, and God, that your mercy's new every single day. And God, the things that have our attention, that our minds are off, or that we say we believe in the Bible, but I pray that, God, that you would change our minds, that change our hearts, that change our actions. I'm so thankful for a story, Lord, 2,600 plus years ago still applies to us today that your word is such a living and active force in our life, even today we can learn from principles that can help us get closer to you. Thank you for repentance. Thank you, God, for your kindness that leads us to that repentance, that you're a good father, a loving father, and you draw us to yourself, even when we blow it, even when we rebel, even when we sin, you are still there because there's nowhere we can go that outruns your presence. And with that, we rejoice. For it's your son's name, we ask and we pray. Come on now. and everybody say amen.